0: This should be good. it would be a nice relaxing time for us. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who set us apart in order to sanctify us with his commandments and instructed us to occupy ourselves with words of Torah. Adonai, our God, please make the words of your Torah pleasant in our mouths and in the mouths of your people, the family of Yisrael, so that we, our offspring and the descendants of your people, the family of Yisrael, all of us may be knowers of your name, and learners of your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the nations to give us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. So we have, um, my daughter Morgan was here today, and she's ginormous. Actually, she's not, but the baby is, so I imagine that Diana Nunez, have you seen her recently? Yes. Is she like ginormous? Yeah. She, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. The baby is just. She's all baby, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. She's like ten months pregnant yesterday. <laughs> <and> <laughs> That's
0: she's what you She's that. ready. She's ready. Yeah. yeah. She's just, you know, Praise God. Praise God. It's like tomorrow, right? <laughs> I
2: think her official due date is the Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's literally. Anytime.
0: Yeah. Very fruitful. Very fruitful. Yeah, that's good. Praise God. Okay. So, uh, for those of you who don't recall from last week, um, my family listened to uh, and were allowed to participate in the webinar that Tim Hegg's fellowship puts on um, each Shabbat. So, they have the Torah service, which was pretty cool. He's got his own sitter and it's basically orthodox with some other stuff stuffed in there. It's nice. And then uh, they take a little breather for Oneg and then come back into another webinar, and that's uh, walking into the library, as it were, uh, with Tim and uh, his team. And um, he takes questions right there as well as questions that have been emailed in or called in or whatever the case might be. And um, So last uh, couple of Shabbats ago were three questions... Uh, what about forgiveness and justification? And if, if, if I'm going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Messiah, oh my goodness, I don't know that I can handle that. I can barely forgive myself, let alone having to stand. You know, so there was a lot of theological problems there, and, and Tim dealt with those in the, in the first hour. Um, his next one was a direct quote from the Scriptures, uh, and then asking the question, should women keep silent in the fellowship when we gather? Um, so he brought uh, texts to bear from different uh, perspectives. It was good. I enjoyed it and it, it was uh, uh, consistent with what we I think we would, uh, uh, teach and believe. Um, it was interesting though that uh, he 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 wanted to draw it right back to the whole concept of the vow. What is that What am I talking about The father can annul the vow of his daughter and the the vow of his wife so um, because of that she must then keep silent with regard to it and uh, so he he was you know kind of tying that together with where Paul was coming from so interesting uh, stuff and I've got that for you if you want it. The third one of course, was about um, seemingly believing Orthodox Jews who are demonstrating love for God in obedience uh, keeping his commandments and uh, can they possibly have a place in the world to come if they have rejected Messiah Yeshua so uh, I deliberately did not listen to it so that we could experience it together uh, as a team and uh, moan and groan and and deal with it I've I've listened to the first nine minutes or something like that I think so it's about 40 minutes long so it's perfect for our, our gathering tonight so we'll listen to that and then, uh, and then we'll have our, our discussion. But before we do that, I, I just want to um, step to the plate with a couple of answers here. Like, who, who cares? I mean, really. I mean, why are we, why are we continuing to beat this dead horse? Um, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, is it possible for you to know that I'm saved? I mean, really. Can you know? Can you read my heart? No. Can you? Can you? Okay, well, these two guys can, but you can't, right? Oh, no, you can't either. Okay, so how do you know, how do you come to the conclusion that, how do you treat me like... By example.
3: So... the fruit. that's
0: the closest we can possibly talk. So you line up my words with my actions. If there's a consistency, that's the best you can do. Okay. So, if we can't tell, why are we studying? Why are we even talking about this? Because it has no bearing. It's not going to change anything. You can't talk someone into the world to come. So, why would we talk about this? What's the deal? Why is it important to me? Well, maybe it does, or some would say, it does change our uh, the
3: way we would interact. Ah. Or, uh, or the way we would absorb you know, things uh, from those
0: people that's some of those okay, so two things I think you said there. One was how you interact with me, right? If you know that I've rejected Yeshua, at least I've said that, but you don't even know if the Yeshua I'm talking about is the Yeshua you're talking about, right? And then secondly, I think you said the other way around, you need to be careful whether or not you should take counsel or listen to me if you believe that I don't have a place in the world to come. Uh, and and there's there's the rub. So we're going to talk about that world to come and, and wisdom in general in just a second. Yes, sir?
2: Well, and I think some would take you in view. Some, some would agree that we, there's no way we can know for sure who Satan is not. And they would also agree that, that the only thing we can do is look at the fruit. But they would... Make the argument that fruit is both what you do and what you say. Sure. So if they are, if they are, if someone, whether they're Orthodox or whatever, is uh, with their mouth vocally denying uh, the Messiah and advocating against the Messiah. People that hold to this view would fall back to scriptures like "I deny before men, I deny before the Father, and so forth and so on," and they would say they they can't have a place in the world to come because the fruit of their lips suggest that they have rejected the Messiah, and therefore Scripture
0: says He will reject them. Good, good, Johnny. I think a large part
1: of it has to do with how we need to be seeking truth rather than being being right and focusing on our, you know, traditions and, you know, you, you mentioned several times the book that you have where it's reasons why Jesus is not the Messiah that, you know, tons of Jews have in their houses and, and things like that. So there's, it, you know, it, it's almost propaganda, as it were, and, you know, and in, in the furthering and the continuation of, of a lie for the sake of, okay, maybe it's pride, maybe it's, okay, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to give in on this topic or, or whatever the case may be. You know, you know, Jews have their bias, Christians have their bias, but that's where the pride needs to disappear and we need to be seeking truth rather than trying
0: to be right. Yeah, so I, I think, to, you know, to summarize where you're coming from, we need to recognize that this is a two-way street, sure. right? So it's not only how am I going to react to you as someone who's made a claim against Yeshua as the Messiah versus how are you going to act towards me and should there be an interaction there and who's right, who's wrong and all of that. Exactly. That's good. Yes, sir.
2: I just wanted to share from the aspect of sharing the gospel that, that there is that burden that
0: Shaul himself carried for those of his own kindred. Mm-hmm. So he reasoned with them daily and uh,
2: how our interaction with them, whether or not they are... Uh, among the company of the redeemed, if you will, part of the ecclesia of, of Messiah, is that burden and that passion to persuade with them from the Torah, the prophets, and the writings that Yeshua is Mashiach.
0: Yeah, without question. So, yeah, the... the I would also add to the from the of,
2: right, from oh, the
0: Christian. Sure, yeah. So, I, I think, I, I want, in my head, I'm trying to discount that side. Because it doesn't matter whether they're orthodox or otherwise, Ken. When I meet any man, I'm going to pick an E. Okay. I mean, I'm mean like you said, I'm going to match the fruit in the mouth, and I'm going to exhort, guy seems to be a believer. Uh, I'm going match the, the fruit in the mouth, uh, guy seems to be a non-believer. I'm going to evangelize. I've I got to pick one or the other. I've got to put him in the camp.
4: Whether or not they take-
0: I got to put them in a the camp one one camp or another I have to do that so perhaps the the, the way that I would kind of categorize what you're saying is if I'm going to be sharing Messiah Yeshua am I doing it because they have no place in the world to come and I'm desperately concerned for their soul versus, I'm sitting down with what appears to be a member of the family who's got it messed up and has just missed this, and he's going to be surprised at the end. That's a different kind of... Akin
4: to Apollos.
0: Yeah, exactly. Akin to a kind to Apollos, which is why I brought him up you know, a couple of weeks ago. Exactly right. Uh, I don't know the answer. I really don't. But I find it much more comfortable to sit down in, in a non-confrontational atmosphere and demonstrate all that we have in common and try to get myself to the point, being a, a, a yutz like myself, to get myself to the point where Paul was, where he would wrestle with them from the Scriptures. Well, as a Gentile, I can't wrestle with an Orthodox Jew from the Scriptures unless I've, I've established some type of rapport. And I don't think that rapport is to get up in their face and shout that they're going to burn in hell. Amen. I also think when it comes to the question of who cares, it, it matters
3: significantly. Because he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and, and who would know better, and who deserves really to know the truth about the Messiah other than the Orthodox Jewish people? If we have a hypothesis on what, where they're going, and if they're going to be in the world to come, that changes. That changes a lot of things. You know, the first of which is how soon Messiah is is around the corner. Right. It's, right? It's, it's very important.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems to me to be very important. Other comments. The wisdom thing it, it bothers me. It, it has even before we were in the Torah walk, it, it bothers me, you know, when uh, you find a great book that has some fabulous insights, um, for example, uh, uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel on Shabbat. I mean that, that's got some breathtaking things in there. you know that God will create a sanctuary in time, oh, before he even created a sanctuary here. I mean, that, that's that's extraordinary. But to then completely discount it not even want to read the book, because it's not written by a believer, to me, seems to be the height of arrogance and I, I might even say stupidity. I mean, it, it, there just doesn't seem to be a biblical example of rejecting wisdom from a non-believer. And yet, Professing Christendom teaches that all the time. Should I, should I look to my parents for wise counsel? Oh, well, no, you can't look to your parents for wise counsel. They're not believers. That seems to be completely inconsistent with the Scriptures. And now Orthodox Jews get thrown in that too. Now, again, for anybody who might be listening from afar... I am not saying that every Orthodox Jew is saved. Far from it. I am saying that I have met Orthodox Jews who have a love for God that puts mine to shame and who are definitely desirous of keeping the commandments simply so that they can please their God and Master. And they are ardently waiting on and hastening the coming of Messiah because he will bring the ultimate or final redemption. Gosh, that sounds exactly like my life. And yet to just discount them seems to be inconsistent.
4: Just two things come to mind because I've had this conversation before. One, of course, is we see that Paul actually does quote some of the own people's poets, you know, who are quite obviously pagan. So clearly he is gleaning wisdom in order to understand better people that he's interacting with from some source that really wasn't somebody who believes in Messiah. And then I think you also have situations like with Balaam where God does speak through people that are quite obviously not saved. And I think in order to try to figure out whether or not somebody is saved before you do anything, with, whether it be business or music or reading anything, it's it almost goes back to the whole, like, you can't really put yourself out of the world. I mean, you have to be in the world, just not of it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny that the Master said we need to be wise as serpents, yet gentle as doves. Well, huh. How wise are serpents? He, he commanded the, un, the unjust steward as well. Yeah, exactly right. Yes, sir. I was just going to tag on to what Greg was saying that Paul used Homer and hmm. said, even your own poets... Yeah, speaking of this unknown God. You're, yeah, you're, and you we're understand. sons of God. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, did you have something first? Uh, go ahead. Yeah, he's striking the note. It's um, I think it's a
1: self-defeating argument because they already just agreed that you can't, Can't know the eternal destiny of some other person. Mm -hmm. Yet they're going to make a judgment call on on that immediately to determine whether we
0: can listen or learn from them. Yeah. So I I think I think to be fair to the other side. at
2: At least in my experience, they would. It's not that they would say what they would say they're not casting judgment on eternal on their eternal salvation because they would say that only God can do that. But I think the position I think the position they take is if the if the person has clearly
4: articulated and made it known that they that they
2: do not believe Yeshua is the Messiah.
0: Then they put themselves in the category then, then, where they right. need that's, to be rejected. Well,
2: that's, 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 the, that's the litmus test and there's, and there's the fruit that says they go in this, this, you know,
1: this bin versus some other bin. And and it's, and it's and fruit. Right, and I think the, the problem is um, that's a little lopsided because, and, and of course that is exactly what they're doing but that's to look on everybody um, for them one piece of fruit, and the reverse side is looking for, um, I guess maybe from Judaism side, looking for people who aren't
0: who aren't keeping the commandments mm-hmm. yet. Uh, um, confess, sign is also a lopsided fruit. Mm-hmm.
1: So I I see that as sort of the same
0: thing. Yeah, they're both out of balance. But I I do think it's important to recognize that if we search the Scriptures, fruit and lips are normally not put together. In fact, when we're talking about fruit, it is not talking about the fruit of our lips. That's a very rare occurrence. We're actually talking about deeds. So we don't want to give the fruit of our lips the same weight in the Scripture during our conversations as... As the, deeds. the parable of,
1: of the, the two sons, hmm.
0: speaks directly to that. Point. Yeah. Does everybody, everybody, I got you. Are you familiar with the parable of the two sons? You know what we're talking about? We've got, the, the father says to the, the first son, I want you to go out and work in the field for me today. And he says, you will. He and then he doesn't. The second son, he says, I want you to work in the field for me. He says, oh. no, I'm not going to do it. But he ends up going. Which one and, and Yeshua says which one did the father's will and pleased him the second one the one who did what his father asked to be done what he said was almost irrelevant in the story All right, I got a lot of hands I
2: was just thinking and this brings to mind the really underlying question which is kind of a false dichotomy to say that is there one way that people were saved before Yeshua was revealed on the timeline of history
0: and another way after yeah so, No." We we have a different question there, and and probably a, a whole other class. I think everybody in this room, and probably everybody listening to us, believes wholeheartedly. There's always been, and always will be, and always shall be only one way to be saved, both before and after the physical suffering of our Messiah. Those on the in the other camp would say that. Everyone who was saved prior to the cross was saved in exactly the same way as you and I, but they knew His name, even though given ample opportunity to say His name, write His name, profess His name. They never did that. I think you are not next. You, 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 and then you. Yes.
1: It's important to. I think every man in this room is aware of this, but it's as worthy of it reiterating that the lens through which we view these things constantly has to be scripture. And measuring it up against what the Torah says, against the words of the Master, against the prophets, and, and realizing that, okay, yeah, these extra biblical sources are great, but we can't, you know, grab them and, and just say, okay, this is somebody talking about cool Jewish stuff, so let's, you know, so let's just eat it up. It's it's one thing we were talking about when we were identifying who we were as a group. Uh, I remember we're at, I think Alex Burrs was sitting in this spot right here and when we were talking about um, who we are. he actually spoke up and said something we are not just enamored with just anything just because it's Jewish and, and to that point, you know, um, you know yes, honoring our parents is a good thing but what if they you know what, what if they're not great with finances? What if they tell you to spend everything you make and everything so that, that's where the, the multitude of counselors, um, comes in, well, maybe they're not giving you the best advice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's knowing how to filter and, and uh, you know, spit out the bones, as it were. Sit- as, as our, uh, it is a sieve. As, as our metaphor this the sieve. The same thing, right? So. Well, I mean, I think
2: uh, we almost have the benefit of hindsight, you know, when we're looking backwards. So, uh, I can go back in the Torah and in the Tanakh. Now. Now. And I can see the name of the Messiah. And, it, you know, and, and it's, to me, it's it's pretty obvious.
0: At times, it's almost and, humorous.
2: And, the, and the, the more I learn Hebrew, the play on the word, and, I mean, it's just, it's like...
0: It's spectacular. It's, it's
2: there, oh, yeah, right yeah. But... But then I look at, you know, then I look at let's let's say, you know, the final redem- redemption and end time prophecy. Okay, we've got the whole book; it's been given to us.
0: Yes. But yet, we don't know how the Book of Revelation really unwinds. There's, I mean, there's a thousand different theories. And we have perspectives today that are different than our perspectives <laughs> last year. And, and, <laughs> now Islam's here. Holy cow!
2: So, so. To me, when I look at when I look at you know at, uh, the, the our forefathers, when I look at the prophets, when I look at the second you know the people uh, lived leading up to the Second Temple period, um, sure they had the revelation; it had been laid down, it had been written down, and much prophecy had been you know had been given, had been given. But prophecy, by its very nature, can't know until after it happens you can't know with certainty until after it happens so you know uh, if it was so clear that exactly how uh, all the events concerning Messiah were going to happen if that was so clear then um, then why is it that we don't have the same clarity with events yet to happen but are in the scriptures amen
0: Great, great point. So, um,
2: you know, so I, I think, uh, you know, in in if there, you know, in if it was, if it were true that I uh, that you know that Abraham Avinu when he stood on Mount Moriah and he saw the day of the Master, what does that mean? Does that mean he he? he just understood that God would provide a ram, a, a lamb, as it were, a son that would die and make atonement? Or does that mean he actually saw the cross with, with with Yeshua on it and knew, saw what he looked like, knew what his name, I mean...
0: Knew the name of the thief on the left, social security number of the thief on the right.
2: And you, and you know a name that I've right. seen. Something. Yeah. Right. So, so, and even if the, if the latter were true, Abraham clearly is an exception, right? I mean,
0: all the, you all know the what? great men of faith are exceptions I, to the rule you, right? I, I'm, the only, I, I think that argument is self-defeating because yeah. I think you're right. Abraham was top shelf. No question. But why? The scripture clearly says, God himself says, this guy's special, why? Because he's going to teach his kids. And he never told them the name. It's so important. And he never told them the name. Oh, he did tell them the name. But they never wrote it down. They never said it to anybody. Well, they said it to their kids. They kept it a secret. These guys couldn't keep anything a secret. And they... I'm just not buying it. Yes, sir?
4: I was just reading.
0: You didn't forget yet?
4: (laughs) uh, just to emphasize this fallacy that you have to... Like, if somebody doesn't say the name, then we know they're not saved and we can't read anything by them. You see, like, when the Spirit actually... Talks to I forget who he talks to, you, but he says like I know the name Jesus and Paul, but I don't know yeah. who you. Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. So it's like oh, well, so when a, a demon actually knows the name yeah. too. Yes. Yet, and yes, and our we Jews, We would know that that yeah. like, he's not saved.
0: Yeah. The, the devils believe, believe and tremble. And
4: tremble exactly. Yeah. Yes, sir. You know I've been thinking
0: about the book of James where he talks about faith without works is dead. Yes. And at another point he says, you know, for the faith once delivered to the saints. Yeah. And, you know, it isn't like he's talking about the New Testament church. It seems to me that he's talking about, well, the Torah, when it was handed down. Absolutely. I mean, this is John the Jew who's talking. This is an Orthodox Jew, by the way. Yes. And I also think, just
3: in the words of Yeshua, he says That, uh, that, that, thus sort are of fulfilled the words of the prophet Isaiah that their eyes are are, um, are they will in,
0: indeed hear but never comprehend, always see. They not perceive, perceive. Yeah. And he says,
3: "But blessed are your eyes, for you see; and your ears, for you, for for they hear." but truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And, 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 but he calls them prophets and he calls them righteous. And and I, to me, that's evidence. And that whole chapter is, is, is talking, I think, about this exact idea. Is uh, he's up, we, we are blessed, and, and his Talmidim, or with him here, are blessed because they are walking with, with the man. That they're righteous. You know, uh, a vote never had that pri- privilege, but we're still looking,
0: looking forward. forward. to it. Yeah. All right. So we we see final comment. Uh, final comment. Uh, in uh, paganism, uh, it's, it's taught that if you know the name of something. Being that you have power
2: over mm. so I just wanted to just kind of make a little excerpt about how that uh, you know it's it's not some sort of magical thing that when we say the name of Jesus at the end of our prayer or Yeshua that something magical happens. It's by virtue of our relationship with Him. We're to tag on what he, uh, said about the sons of Sceva. So it's very interesting that when God reveals this one name by which He's going to be known, He says, "I will
3: be who I will be." I am that I am. So, uh, you know, he's not going to be controlled just because we know his name.
0: Exactly right. Um, Nor will he be, you know, available to our beck and call. I always think it's kind of humorous when you're talking to somebody who's really into the sacred name movement, whether it's the messianic sacred name movement with the Yah and the Yahshua stuff, or the new sacred name movement where you have to say the name Yeshua or you have to say the name Jesus or you can't be saved. I always find it humorous that Jesus himself said um, or, or John said um, that, he, that Yeshua would return with a name written on his side that nobody knew. I mean, don't we need to know that one too? You know, I'm sorry. Um,
2: I guess just a, one other perspective. I mean, We see in just a few weeks back count uh, at, at Sinai, we see that God speaks to Moses and says, uh, tells him, I'm going to come down and I'm going to speak to you On before the, the people mm-hmm. so they can so that they can hear me speak to you so that they'll believe in me. And,
0: and they'll, they'll believe in you.
2: Okay? Now, we know Moshe is a type and a picture of, of Moshe. Big time. Right? Because we know from Deuteronomy 18, there's the prop- prophecy that, that God would raise up
0: heart, one more like him.
2: like Moses. And what does the prophecy say? He's going you know, to raise him up from among your brethren, and if you do not listen to his words, you will be held accountable. I will exact it from you. Yeah. So we can't, you know. So I think I think you know there's there's definitely a balance here. There's a tension. You bet. And the intention is important because because I I don't think we can just... uh, I mean, we know keeping commandments does not guarantee anybody a place in the world to come. That's right. And we know that the goal of the commandments is the Messiah. The goal of the Torah is the Messiah. You bet. So, and we know that there is uh, a consequence those who knowingly, for sure, unknowingly, but for sure, you know, reject the words of Messiah—that there is a price to pay at some point—and what—and I don't know what that price is. I don't know if that means they have—they have no opportunity in the place in the world to come, or if it's just some other form of. Yeah. You know, but we cannot lose sight of the fact that is true. You bet. So we've got to keep.
0: This healthy tension uh, you, know, between, you know between these, these issues like yeah um, let me just lay out real quick two, two points um, from where I'm coming from and then you take it with a grain of salt we'll listen and then you guys uh, see um, if you're agreeing with me disagreeing or somewhere in the middle it is all about relationship if you don't have a relationship with the creator of the universe You have no place in the world to come. You will perish. It's as simple as that. It's not about magic sentences. It's not about magic words. It's about relationship. Simple as that. Um, My relationship demands obedience. Obedience is the fruit of that relationship. It's as simple as that if I love Him, I'm going to keep His commandments. I have absolutely no reason to keep His commandments. None. If there's no relationship. Even Paul said that. (laughs) This is crazy. We are most to be pitied if there is no resurrection. If Yeshua wasn't raised from the dead, why bother? We should eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die because there is no place in the world to come. There is no resurrection. And finally... I believe that what is overlooked most of the time in the scriptures that are quoted to us about these topics is that Paul and many of the other apostolic writers were speaking to the generation that saw the living Messiah. The Master talks about it says, this generation is going to have to have, you know, be called on account for this. Why? Because they missed the visitation. Here I am, we've been waiting all this time for me to show up, here I am, and a lot of you have missed it. Now, there was a scathing rebuke for that generation. I do not believe that if we take it contextually, that many of the things we read about that generation apply to this generation. They did not see him. That is not to say that they get a buy because of the bad theology of the church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the scripture speaks to that generation, the master himself speaks to it, and says, you missed it, you blew it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you because of it. We see, though, that even though many missed it, more got it than missed it. Priests, tens of Thousands of Jews recognized the Messiah. He was upset with the leaders that did not. He was upset with the generation that blew it. So, with those in mind, we'll, uh, we need to start this, or we're never going to finish it. Final comment, yes? Uh, just on, on the issue of obedience, I yeah. totally agree, obedience is a the thing of relationship. However, it is possible to, to keep commandments without the
1: relationship. Without question. And I would add
0: So my point in this is that I'm not looking to the obedience as a mark. I'm looking at it as a consistency thing. And that's why I can't look and say, oh, the guy's an Orthodox too. He must have a place in the world to come. No. I need to know him first. I need to hear him. And if I can discern that he obviously has a relationship with God, and the only reason his motivation for the obedience is that relationship, well, hey, Here's my, my, my bottom line to this, and, and Ryan, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. Um, here's, here's my bottom line, uh, and, and that is I know it's a dangling participle. So I'll read it correctly, but for those of you who are reading it wrong, I apologize. God has a lot for which he must answer. if there are Orthodox Jews who have an obvious overwhelming relationship with Him and are being obedient as He commanded and simply have not had the privilege of hearing yet about how Yeshua fulfilled all of those things and they will not have a place in the world to come, then God is going to be caught Denying his own word. And we know that's impossible. And I presented it here. You know I have. There is a lot of promises that God gives for those who love him and are obedient. And that's the kind of folks we're talking about here. How can it be that they have absolutely no place in the world to come? We seem to have come up with some, some ways that that could be. I think, you know, we talked about. You know, they're on that path. They've got insufficient knowledge at this point. I don't have to have perfect knowledge to be saved. We know that. And if Yeshua is that gate, if that garden has those cherubim and that flaming sword guarding it, and He is the way, and to get in there, to return to that idyllic state, you must pass through Him. Well, I don't, I, I don't know what this means. So we, we move on, otherwise um, we won't finish. So at least at least you know where I'm coming from, um, and we'll see what happens. I'm going to try and turn this up so that you can hear it. Um, it is uh, 39 minutes and 52 seconds long, so uh, maybe we'll listen to most of it and then take a breather. Um, just to give you the setting... Tim is sitting in front of a microphone he's got his mac he's looking up stuff people in the in the fellowship there are calling things out there's very uh, one very uh vocal woman in the front who clearly is is not uh agreeing with this particular premise so let's uh see what we've got here consider a jewish person is truly looking forward to messiah following toward saying his prayers could that person be in Messiah and not move no. I
2: wouldn't want to consider the hard
0: desire of the person as evidence in true safe, faith even though